Hi everyone and welcome to Anything is Potable with Nikolai. This is the show where I share what's on my mind, so come along with me on this journey and I promise you, it'll never be a dull moment. And cue the introduction music. Welcome everybody to my very first podcast in the Anything is Potable series with Nikolai and I'll be your host Nikolai. Today's podcast is going to be an introductory podcast and you'll never guess what the subject is on, none other than me, myself and I, Nikolai. I thought you guys deserve a proper introduction to the person that you'll be listening to during our time here at Anything is Potable. As I've mentioned, my name is Nikolai. No, no, that's not my real name. However, it's not far from it. This name was actually given to me by one of my ex-boyfriend's step-parents, and it stuck. It actually stuck for the last 10 years. And here's the song that started it all. Nikolai, Nikolai. Stick a finger in your eye, Nikolai. Now, don't ask me how it started, because I have no clue. And Mr. Stepdad was usually always on drugs, so I never questioned it. I mean, it's better than being called Roxanne uh, because of the song Roxanne by the police because somebody couldn't remember my name and legit called me Roxanne or Roxy. Anywho, to get the ball rolling, myself, Nikolai, a 27-year-old female that feels like she's between the ages of 16 and 80 most days, uh, is an environmental scientist by day and a licensed hairstylist on the side. I studied ecosystem management at Fleming College in Lindsay, and if anyone is looking to pursue a career in the environmental world, I highly recommend Fleming College's School of Environmental and Natural Resource Sciences, as it is one of the best and top schools in the environmental sciences. Further to that, I come from a tiny community called Addington Highlands, back in the boonies. And let me tell you, I wouldn't change a damn thing. Growing up here, as much as I have a love-hate relationship with the area, has been the biggest blessing. The only trouble we could really get into as kids is get lost in the woods, which our parents often told us to do when we were annoying or pissing them off. Has anyone else's parents told them to get lost? I mean, the meaning changes when you get closer to your 30s and still live at home. I spent this past summer working for Ontario Parks, specifically in the amazing, beautiful, and historical Algonquin Provincial Park. And let me tell you, living in the park has been one of the most wildest, but amazing rides and experiences. And having the opportunity to live in staff housing, two different houses, which were completely different, one being party central and the other one being the most boring and quiet location ever, minus the always kicking um, people out of my backyard thing and by kicking people out I mean uh, the general public because they can't read signs anyways um, bringing it back to the first house it has been so much fun I'll be creating a podcast to relive the moments of the LTR house and bring in some of my old roommates and don't forget about the absinthe oh that poor old building did not see it coming or did it And now break time. After the break, we'll dive more in depth about my past and what it was like growing up in a very small town. Well, a hamlet. See you soon.
Welcome back, friends. How was y'all's break? <laughs> y'all, that's a word I never say. Uh, before we get back to it, I just want to warn you as now. Sometimes I swear, sometimes I swear a lot. You've been warned. Anyway, let's get back to it. So what I've promised you is now we'll dive back into a little bit of depth about my past and what it was like growing up in a small little town and all that fun shenanigans stuff that I did when I was a kid. So I'm the oldest of two other children in my family. The middle child is my brother and the youngest child is my baby sister. There's quite an age gap actually between the older two and the youngest. So me and my brother are quite a bit older than my little sister. Uh, we, but we all have the same parents. Our parents are still together and uh, we actually all still live at home. And uh, well, would you look at that? If my career was a little more stable, I mean, I work every spring to fall and I have the winters off, the good old park system, um, I'd definitely mo be moved out by now. So being the oldest child, I had to step up, you know, take the blame when needed, throw the others under the bus when needed. Oh, and because there's a 10 year age gap between my sister and I, I also had to be the second mommy. Uh, so I was a 10 year old changing a newborn's diapers and would you believe that? I also had to miss or be late for school when my sister was sick. You see, mom drove bus and when I was in school. So only working four hours a day, she didn't need a babysitter. I was the babysitter. And due to this, I felt like I lost out on most of my childhood. And in my late teens to my early 20s, I felt like I was resenting my family for that. But it also shaped me into the person that I am today. In today's world, I love my little sister, and as the older sibling, I'd got to give her her first alcoholic beverage, and with myself being a stoner, I also got to give her her first bong hit, which was actually the funniest thing. So teaching a newbie how to use a bong, and for the first time, is funny. Uh, she got so high, and she ended up just laying out on the grass and giggling. We were having a fire when this happened, so you can only imagine. I was actually a little jealous because me being a stoner, I can't get like that anymore. So I think this calls for a little tolerance break for myself. So growing up in a tiny hamlet has its blessings and its burdens. My hometown was just this giant ass retirement community, so there wasn't much trouble, if any, to get ourselves into. We didn't really want to get into trouble anyway because our neighbors were always watching us when we were kids, just in case they saw some things that our parents needed to know about. And our parents already knew our friends and our friends' parents since they grew up with the parents. And uh, we were just a reenactment of their own old glory days. Our parents also told us to specifically not hang out with someone just in case they didn't like their, or just because they didn't like their parents or their parents we're bad apples at that age. Does any of this stuff sound familiar to anyone else? The best parts about living in such a small town were the outdoor activities that the municipality provided to us. The outdoor skating rink especially. Each winter there'd be hockey scrimmages every night and each Saturday morning there was a hockey learning camp for kids that I actually used to help out with. And if it, and it was also the place where you hung out with your high school sweetheart. Hell, I remember one of my old friends from high school, she actually met her now husband at that exact rank, although I wasn't as lucky. So you ready? This is how boring my hometown is. 
and what type of trouble we actually got into. You ready? There was this one time a bunch of my friends and I were actually all hanging out together and for some reason one of us thought it'd be super funny to start jumping over someone's cedar bush at the road line. So imagine looking out your window and about four to five 15 year olds, bored because they live in a town of three streets, are outside jumping over your nicely trimmed cedar bushes. Well, this couple didn't like it so much and without as much as a warning to us, the cops were actually called and the next thing you know, all of us are booking it down the road. We never actually got into any trouble, but as if that's what we got called for. So when we weren't out bush hopping as kids, we were out riding our bikes and let me tell you the amount of accidents that I got onto on my bike as a kid, I have scars on top of scars on top of scars. We were also out walking, playing baseball, basketball, hockey, the ice or the ball kind, skateboarding, or doing what redneck kids do best. In the summer, we were out on our ATV, and in the winter, we were out on our snowmobiles. We also had all the forests you can think of when we were kids, and even now. We built so many forts in the woods. The forts were built with whatever fallen or dead tree debris that you could find. Um, so, are you ever too young to build a tree fort? or a fort of any kind. I mean, I'm asking this for a friend. <laughs> a burden about living in a small retirement community is that when you're a child, all your neighbors seem really old. Well, the worst part about that is that when you get older, they seem to get even older. So what would have been a blank is so old as a kid is that, well, they're not around to see how your adult years turn out because unfortunately they've passed on. So this is a good time for another one of those breaks. See you in a few, friends. Well, hello again. It's great to see that you're still here. I appreciate you. I appreciate that you're still here. And I still appreciate even if you're not. And back to our podcast. Here, we're going to talk about one of my favorite hobbies. Um, and yeah, well, let's let's just dive right into it, guys. So growing up the way that I did, in a small community with very little, and a household that had very little, you learned a deal. More so deal with the simpler way of living. You make do, you become innovative and creative. We weren't much materialistic, more so minimalistic. I very much consider myself a minimalist, but with a few material things. All things acquired, however, serve a purpose in my life, aka minimalistic. That I found myself loving is something that has been passed down to me in my family, and something that my father has been taking me out to do ever since I was born. This hobby is hunting or angling, forging, whatever you want to call it. I guess to us, it's more of a means of survival, but it's also a great time. And my dad taught me how to live off the land. 
The reason why I love hunting so much is not for the killing or for the hunting or prey aspect, as is natural in life, but more or less for the being out in nature for hours on end, studying it and just being like, wow, I live in the most amazing area ever. And how did I get to be so lucky, so blessed with the scenery, this environment? Nature just has this captivating effect on me. It's this strong feeling, the feeling of love, a feeling of passion, a feeling of sense of, of, of something. And this also describes how I felt living in Algonquin. Not everyone can wake up every day to the beautiful scenery of Canoe Lake and Algonquin Park every day, but I did for like three and a half months out of the five that I've lived in the park. But hunting also is about the memories made with my dad. It's about the time that we spent with my family at the camp. And yes, I may be the only girl that you usually see grace the doorstep of that place, but they're all family there. Like, legit family. My uncles, my great uncles, my cousins, my brother, and my dad, and then sometimes myself. And no matter how much they bitch, stank, and of course, piss me off sometimes, they're still family, and you gotta love them. And I still wouldn't change a damn thing about it. And as I sit here and record this, I just actually realized that it's bow season and it's almost rifle season. And this calls for story time. Call me a bad hunter if you will, but bow season is actually one of my least favorite hunting seasons. And this story will essentially tell you why. Last year, 2021, my brother went out to the deer stand to do some bow hunting. A few hours of him being out in the woods go by and my dad gets a phone call. My brother's got a deer. Obviously, I'm asked to come out and help track. When we get there, luckily it was less than a 10 minute drive on the four wheelers. My cousin is also there, so perfect. A team of four out to track a deer. Now here's why I hate bow hunting. The deer doesn't die on impact. So we get out there around 5, 5.30ish PM, and we start searching the woods. We search as deep into the woods as we can before dark, and then it gets dark. Then it started to rain around dark. Uh, so now, being cold, wet, and pissed off that we didn't, haven't found the deer yet, we turn on our headlamps. We then start walking up and down the riverbed hoping to find some trace of the deer. Wounded deer flee to water for comfort. And then all of a sudden, somewhere between my cousin and myself, about 10 feet between us, we hear a crash in the woods, and the crash sounded like a deer getting up and starting run, running type of fumbling crash. We then get filled with excitement because we were thinking the hunt is over, but we didn't th give up tracking the deer until after midnight. So we had hours of searching, getting cold, wet, hungry, and grumping, grumpy. We came up empty handed and they went out and searched the next day and still found nothing. A coyote must have gotten a good snack. So two things pissed me off about this. One, the arrow my brother shot was supposed to be a light up blinky red arrow, which didn't work or we, would, or we were just too blind and stupid to see it. And two, bow hunting is not as reliable for food as rifle or black powder hunting. Time for another break. I don't know about you, but my breaks are for tokes. Haha, <laughs> see you soon.
Welcome back. Hello. So enough about my weird ass childhood. Let's get on to my weird ass adulthood. <laughs> so my weird ass childhood definitely, you know, did something right. Because my weird ass adulthood actually turned into somewhat similar to my weird ass childhood. You can still find me out in the woods like I was as a child. But now instead of raising havoc, I'm actually studying the specimens that I used to play with. I mean, I still hunt because I mean, that's still a source of food for us. But I definitely look at nature uh, a lot differently than when I was a kid. Now, instead of just looking for my next prey or taking in the beauty of it all, I look at the whole structure of the ecosystem from below the ground to the way above the trees and everything in between. I definitely have gained a new aspect of the world since taking the ecosystem management course. My love and respect for nature actually opened so many paths for me. Being able to work with Ontario Parks is just one of the things that I could do. I do hope to continue my career path with parks and I would love to be part of the park enforcement with Ontario Parks, be it in Algonquin or within another park, but hopefully the gonk. She's definitely got my heart. I would also love to be a biochemist one day, just to be out there studying the soil and helping the environment. There are so many different amazing areas of work out there. Planting trees, oh boy, planting trees is just the, um, an amazing thing to do. It's a lot of hard physical labor, but you're doing an amazing thing for our world and, he, and helping us survive by providing a source of oxygen regeneration. Tree planters, you're doing amazing things. You're amazing. I'm making heart hands to you since you just can't see. But yeah, nothing is more important to me than going out and spending time in nature. It's good for the soul and mental health. Now I have this question for you and I ask a lot of people this when I first meet them. And there is also no wrong answer. I just love to hear people's answers and their thought process. Cause after all, we are just one of the part of the life cycle and types of species or organisms that I study. Anyways, the question, what do you think the color of life is? It can be any color that resonates with you. The reason why there's no wrong answer is because each person sees life differently. Before I tell you my answer, I want you to think about it. Close your eyes, clear your mind, and give yourself a moment to think about what you believe the color of life is. You can even pause the podcast if you need to. Now, if you've thought about your color, drop it in the comment section and let me know what you truly believe the color of life is. Now I'll let you know what mine is. I look at the color of life as being green, or various shades of green. Now why do you see as life being green, Nikolai? Well, that's because every time I look outside, I see various shades of green. The trees, they're green. Oh, but what about the fall and winter, you say? Not all trees turn different colors and lose their leaves. Most conifers don't. Pine trees, spruce trees, winter greens, and cedars. They don't change or lose their needles. These trees also change a poisonous gas to use into a crucial product for that is essential to our lives, also known as oxygen. After a prehistoric fires, the floods, and the freezing, plants and trees still survived. They, for some reason, they came back. They survived and they thrived. Some trees need high levels of heat produced by fire to reproduce or open their cones to produce the seed. 
trees also n known to produce food for other wildlife. After a wildfire at the north end of Lake Opiango in Algonquin Park in 1953, the area was burnt. Uh, and then that area then was taken over by the sun-loving aspen, which provides food for the deer, the bear, and other wildlife. Uh, you can see this information available on the Friends of Algonquin Canoe Routes map of Algonquin Park. Uh, this area is between the north arm of Opiango near the portage to Prolu Lake. All summed up, myself, Nikolai, look at the color of life as green because even after us, it will live on. If anything were to happen to this world, the first thing back will be the fungi, the mosses, lichen, plants, and trees. Because after all, the reason why we fight for the environment is not only for animals to have a place to live and flourish, but for us to also be able to survive. Now we're going to take one last break before we get back to it. Enjoy. Welcome back. I just want to thank you all for listening in on my first podcast today. And if you made it all the way through my podcast, you're a real trooper. Let me know what you thought. You guys are the real stars of this show. So if you have any thoughts and ideas on what you want to hear on the show, reach out and, and let me know. You can find me on social media, such as Facebook at anything is potable with Nikolai or on TikTok and Instagram, etc. at Nikolai170 as my handle. Make sure to give us a like, follow, comment, share, whatever. Spread the word because anything is potable with Nikolai. Some promises I want to make to you before we part is one, I will try and get as many awesome podcasts out there as fast as I can. Two, have some amazing guests come on and share their amazing stories. And three, get the crew from Algonquin's LTR house on here to share some of the janky ass stories that happened in the memories made. Maybe they'll even tell you how the janky jank got started with the jank master himself. Again, thank you all so much for listening in, and we'll see you next time on Anything was, is Potable with yours truly, Nikolai. Okay, bye! podcast was brought to you by me, Nikolai, who of which you can follow on Instagram and TikTok at Nikolai170. Definitely reach out if you have any specific topics you want to hear on our show. See you next time on Anything is Potable with Nikolai. <laughs>